Welcome to this new set of specials called Is It Beer Yet? Now, this isn't quite a new series, but this is also not a one-off. So, this is something different from News As. The short version of what this is, this is a chronicle of my new hobby, homebrewing. The recording is much like Matt Goes Running. I record along the way, recording all the ups and downs. But unlike other shows, these are weeks in the making, maybe sometimes longer as we go on. Most, if not all, the shows on Neo Zaz, up until now, are recorded in one sitting or at least in one day, edited and not posted long after that. In these shows, recordings not only span several days, but they span several weeks. It takes at least two weeks for beer to ferment, sometimes longer. So you can expect these shows to cover at least that amount of time, the time from brewing until tasting, or, as I just learned, recording just the second episode, even past that. This is going to be a unique set of specials from Neozaz, and I hope it's something a lot of you will enjoy. It's a show that's going to be constantly changing as I learn more about the hobby and more on what to record as I go. And along with that, with the long time spans these episodes cover, keep an ear out for appearances from other Neozaz personalities as we go. To get started, I'm going to give a brief history of what led to where this show or this this series of specials, still don't have a definitive name on what to call it, but where this particular episode picks up in terms of my learning how to brew and as a hobbyist. I've been brewing beer for just four months now, but it is something I have wanted to do for years, if not bordering on decades. It always seemed like just too much information and too much chemistry for me to wrap my head around to be just a hobby, or at least an enjoyable hobby. seemed like there was going to be a lot of studying and a lot of learning and something I wouldn't enjoy. But with the topic of beer popping up more and more on news, as with a few episodes about beer and our best of fives and a couple specials on theme park beers, I decided I really wanted to take a shot and learn how to brew my own beer once and for all. So I started like most brewing hobbyists start with a malt extract kit. I actually brewed four malt extract kits, and honestly, only one ended up what you might call drinkable. But I'm glad I went through that experience with those four batches because it gave me a pretty good and almost instant understanding of what's going on in making beer. Making the wort, adding the yeast to get the ferment, and then getting the beer to final delivery, which in those batches was bottling the beer. From there, the next step would usually be a partial mash, adding grains and hops to the malt extract-based wort. But I think with all the prepping and studying I did to start the hobby, along with going through the process of making these kit beers, I kind of understood how an all-grain brew would or at least should work, so I made the immediate jump to that. Well, that didn't go without some trial and error, of course, but it wasn't too long until I got through a full brew and now kegging instead of bottling and then ended up with something I actually enjoyed drinking. So that's where this episode and this set of specials picks up. I am all grain brewing and kegging and drinking my own craft beer. Now, there's a lot more to that story, including one spectacular failure over the 4th of July weekend, but I am going to save those details for another episode. So this show will be me talking about what I'm doing and anything else that crops up, basically. What I'm trying to say here is if you're learning how to brew or anything about home brewing, you're probably not going to get all the info you're looking for here. You might learn something. You might learn something from some of the details I'm recording, but these aren't recorded as an instructional show. It's more of a conversation, albeit a one-person conversation. A day from Star Wars in character, Philly's Full Count, Drady's, and many other shows on Neozaz, and myself are working on a companion show that might give more tips and tricks and maybe even some instructional information on homebrewing in the future, but that's still in the works. Now, as far as what I brew, you're going to quickly see that I am brewing with Neozaz events and shows in mind. In fact, the next two episodes after this are all about beers I'm brewing in preparation for our Halloween Horror Nights 26 weekend for the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. Soon, there'll be an episode following where we're preparing for the holidays and making a beer to celebrate our annual Swickmas special. When I'm not brewing an event beer, I will be trying to come up with a recipe for our standard go-to signature Neozaz beer. And that's what this particular episode is about. This is an account of my first brewing of the first test recipe for that possible signature beer. There's one more thing to set up with this episode. I didn't have a solid name for these specials until about a third of the way through recording the second episode. So you'll hear me refer to these specials by 
several names until it happens. And that happens while I'm recording that second episode. So you'll have to tune in at least one more time to hear that story. So I think that might be it for the introduction of this set of specials. So let's get to it. Here is the first ever Is It Beer Yet special featuring the Neozaz Signature Test One recipe. Welcome to this special, I guess, start of a kind of series, but not a regular series. It's going to be one of those series that just pops up when something happens. So you're probably saying, so it's just another regular, regular uh, Neozaz series. That's a fair comment. But what this is, is um, I'm calling it right now, it's working name is Neozaz Brouhaha. We hope to have some funny stuff in here, though I'm alone for a majority of this particular episode, so no promises. It is uh, chronicling these event brews we're doing. We are doing home brews for different events at Neozaz, and I don't call them micro or even nano brews because they're smaller than that. They're just one-off batches of about anywhere from three to five gallons, depending on how many people are involved in this event. For example, we're going to do two for Halloween Horror Nights. We're going to do several for Star Wars Celebration, and then, of course, we have holidays and other things in between there. But right now, in this initial episode, I am doing, I'm trying to come up with like a standard Neozaz go-to brew that we're going to make kind of as a addition to an event. If we have a, somewhere in between a large, or a, I should say an event that would take maybe, maybe one brew would not be enough to get through the event into the night. We need a second, we have this Neozaz standby. So this is the very first try of this recipe that I made up with the help of a application called uh, Beersmith or Brewsmith, Beersmith. So <laughs> the IBUs, the ranges, the color, everything that says it should be, if I do this right, we're gonna see, it, it, it's a, it should be a good start. I don't know, I doubt this is gonna be um, the final product. It's probably gonna take several tries. But when it comes to beer, it's not a bad thing unless it's a really terrible beer. But anyway, I'm gonna run down through the grain list here of what we got. Uh, this is going to be three gallons when we're done. And I have three pounds of uh, two-row pale malt. I have a pound of Vienna malt, a pound of Pilsner. I've got eight ounces of Crystal 60L. That should contribute a lot to its color. Then I got four ounces of Carapils and then four, no, two ounces, sorry. Two ounces of Carafa 3 Special, which is definitely going to, contribute to its color. That is the darkest green of all of these. So between that and the L60, you should have a nice amber reddish color. As far as putting in some bitterness and some aroma, we've got three hops uh, additions we're going to put into the brew. First is going to be through the entire 60-minute brew. It's Galaxy Hops, and that is, I think, a uh, quarter ounce, I think. I don't have the recipe in front of me. I just have all the ingredients. So I think that's a quarter ounce. We're going to Add a quarter ounce of Galaxy Hops throughout the entire hour of the boil. Then at 15 minutes, I'm going to put in Palisade Hops. Uh, half ounce of that, I think. And Palisade Hops is I'm trying to make that our signature hop for no other reason than when I see its name, I think of Palisades Park, the cover song by the Ramones. It's a terrible reason to add an ingredient to every brew, but I want to try to make it our signature ingredient. We'll see. Then in the last, uh, what is it, minute or five minutes? Let's see here, last minute, we got a quarter ounce of mosaic hops. So that is the, that's it, that's generally it. It's gonna be about a 75 minute mash, roughly. It's gonna, then, then we're gonna do an hour boil with three grain drops, one for the entire hour, one at 15 minutes, one at five minutes. And then, no, I'm sorry, one minute. Five minutes is when I throw in the Irish moss for a little bit of clarity. So we'll see how it goes. I'm gonna mix the grains up now. Gonna put the hops inside the hop sacks, time closed, and I'm gonna go out and heat up the water. And I will probably record just a little bit of notes each step by step. And oh, just to tell you a little bit more about the show, sorry, first episode here. This is gonna be from like inception, or I guess brew day, all the way up to fermenting, to kegging, and then taste. So it's a very long term. Uh, episode it doesn't we don't sit down and record one night this is going to be multiple recordings over a month basically for each brew we've never done anything like this before 
I had tried to do this before with a brew that I have in the keg right now, but I had the setting on my recorder wrong the entire brew day. And really the brew day is half the episode, Maybe, and the other half is probably kegging and drinking. So that episode is lost. So I'm trying again. Figure this will be a good one. I'm by myself. I think I'll have this ready for tasting when I have a visitor. Someone from Neozaz. We'll get to that later. Uh, it'll be a month later for me. It'll be later in this recording, possibly. So, all right, that's it. I gotta mix up my grains here, tie up my uh, hops bags, and get the water on the heat. Okay, well, in typical Neozaz fashion, we have some kind of glitch holding things up right now. There's a typical summer Florida storm about to roll through right over my house, the back of my house, the porch where I brew. Front of the house, clear as can be. It just figures. But if, if, if it's a typical Florida storm, it'll be very short. I have everything covered, everything ready. Didn't even light the gas yet. So at least I haven't lost any heat or boiled off any. Well, I wouldn't boil the water off yet because it would only be up to, only going to do the mesh temperature um, or the strike water. Going to get up to like 165, 170 or so. Probably 170 because the grains are inside a 77 degree house. So it's definitely going to cool them down a little bit. But, so I'm waiting for that to pass. Figured I'd take this opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, the brewing method I'm going to do today and probably for everything. I've been brewing for about six months and I started off with a easy extract kit like probably a lot of home brewers do. Enjoyed the process but did not like the result and it, I don't think I did anything wrong. There's just, the more I've been reading and studying, there's this thing called extract twang that takes a long time to mellow out of a homebrew extract beer and i don't have that kind of patience as most people probably know and i don't like that taste in fact the ones i did six months ago i still have a couple of bottles tried it again it's still not gone and i don't like it so i moved from that to all grain brewing had some really much better taste successes that's a lot of work i learned a lot did a, made a lot of us huge amount of mistakes my first time which should have been a three, maybe four hour process, ended up being all day and part of the night. But I refined that a lot. Um, I moved up from that to uh, boil or brew in a bag. Now you might think if you know about home brewing, and well, maybe, maybe, actually if you do, you probably understand the statement moved up to. Um, it, before with all grain brewing, I was mashing using a second... Uh, hot water source, a hot liquor tank to sparge, and then boiling, and then all that. Um, the idea with brewing a bag is to get all the water in there I'll need to the very end to boil it down to my target amount and then uh, be done. I'd have to go through all those extra steps. And to me, that is moving up because uh, I value my time really more than anything, even money. I wish there was a way to buy more time with money. I would give up my money for it, but you can't, so... Boiling a bag, or brewing a bag, I keep saying boiling, it's like a lobster boil. Brewing a bag, usually one pot, uh, a couple other things. I got, I got a big five-gallon thing of sanitizer that I'm soaking everything in, and a pot to pull off the hot break proteins. But it's all one pot, one water source normally. Sometimes I have to sparge just a little bit, or maybe even top off if it's not that much. But right now, it's. I should, I think I got it just about down to one big pot of water and that's all i'll need and all, everything will be done in that up until of course we meet to the fermenter so that's it i'm still waiting for this stupid storm to roll through as soon as it's done i'll get back to it all right well that little glitch of a what i thought was gonna be a short storm ended up being a big glitch and it was a long storm a long violent storm lots of lightning and thunder rain coming right into the porch I actually had to pull everything in. Usually it would be, uh, there's enough overhang and enough screen that it would block it, but the wind was blowing right into it. So I brought everything in. By the time it passed, I need at least, if everything goes right, and well, heck, that's not even, forget about cooling. I forgot about cooling the wart. So I need two hours and 15 minutes to do the mash and the boil. And that doesn't count the time it takes to get the, uh, water from the mash up to boil, which is like probably 10-ish minutes. So in an hour, two hours and 25 minutes, I have to record by the time the storm passed, to record an hour and 45 minutes. So mathematically, 
I just could not do it tonight. Forget the fact that I have to chill it, put it in a fermenter and everything else. So I dumped everything out, wiped it down. The only thing I didn't dump out was the sanitizer and the fermenter. That can stay overnight. Um, that was it. So <laughs> I'll try again tomorrow. Uh, I've ground up all the grains. Uh, this, I think I mentioned that before. So now they're they're in a they're not in a vacuum sealed container, but it's it's airtight. It it should be fine till morning. So uh, one more day, we're gonna have a problem. Luckily, I have some vacuum sealers if I need it, but. Uh, with all the, I should be able to get it done tomorrow morning. So, well, I'll be back tomorrow morning to tell you if I'm doing this or not. It is the next day and I'm actually brewing. I've already started. I needed two hands. I did try to record the process, but I needed two hands for most of what I was doing. So I got to dig up. I have a lavalier mic that I could plug into that recorder. And I have one I can plug into my phone too, which I'm using now for this recording. So I'll have to dig that up for future episodes. So learning learning uh, how to do, or, uh, do the, as I say, document the process or record the show, whatever you want to say, as I go, as I'm learning to brew. So um, yeah, I forgot to bring my recorder. I am running to the store. The mash is set now. It's The grains are mixed in. It's in the water. It's been wrapped up in some... Uh, like that foil bubble wrap insulation. I think it's called Reflectix or something like that. And then covered with a heavy moving blanket to keep it at temperature, which probably won't be hard because it feels like the temperature here in Florida is the same temperature as the, at strike water right now. But while that's sitting for the next 75 minutes, this is when I go and run out and get a bag of ice for chilling later. It's still about two hours away, but the big bag of ice from the grocery store I can actually keep outside and I'll have like at least... I'm going to say 80% of it. I probably have more of the ice. It's probably closer to 90, but at least 80% of the ice by the time I'm ready. And then that's all I'll need to cool everything down. Should just need one big bag, their big bag of ice, which I think is 20 pounds. It's like three, four bucks. I bought, I think, four of them the first time I did this. That was way too much. I didn't need, I ended up using two. I, I probably didn't even really need to. But so now I know I need just one, and if I need to top off the ice, I have enough in the freezer to do that. So running to get the ice for the cooling process. Uh, next recording will probably be when I boil, because even though I'll be sitting there watching it, make sure it doesn't over, it doesn't boil over, and keeps at a rolling boil. I don't need necessarily two hands to constantly do that. In fact, it's a lot of sitting around until you drop the hops in and the Irish moss in. Uh, well, I dropped the hops, hops in right at the 60-minute mark, and then I don't do anything until, like, the last... And then everything happens in the last 15 minutes, so... I will be back when I get to the boil. Okay, we're about just over... Well, just under 18 minutes until we take the mash out. I actually came back from the store with the ice and checked the temperature, and it didn't drop at all. I was actually... I mashed a little high or started to mash a little high expecting the heat to just roll right off because it's not a like i said it's just insulation wrapped around a, a uh, pot with a blanket on it but i didn't lose any heat so i pulled the blanket off now and loosened the insulation so some air can flow in out and it's dropping down to a better temperature now uh shouldn't have been too it's, it wasn't that much higher it was uh, about three or four degrees and i would have wanted it but i don't think it was too high to ruin anything but We'll see. Um, other than that, I'm just waiting for this to uh, the timer to run out. I don't have any iodine to check, but I don't think I need to at a 75-minute mash. And uh, yeah, I'll pull the grains out, boil, start adding the hops here very shortly. Okay, I pulled the grain bag out. Let's see if you can hear it. It's draining right now. You may or may not be able to hear that. It's in a big colander that fits right across the entire top of the boil pot. It's perfect size. I'm giving you a little bit of pressure on the top of it. Um, I have a gallon of sparge water ready if I need it. I don't think I do. I think I have more than I need. I targeted four and a half gallons so I could boil it down to three and a half so I could keg at least three. Um, Right now, I'm not going for efficiency. I'm just making sure I have enough good wort to ferment and then keg. And then I'll, 
once I get that down, then I'll go to make sure I, you know, just use the exact amount of water that I need. But I will measure it here shortly once this is done draining. I think we're going to go right into boil. So I'll be back and we'll find out. Okay, well, I think I said I'll be back at the boil about seven times leading up to the boil. And guess what? The boil's come and gone, and I didn't record. And that was, well, not going to say mainly, but it was solely because I needed two hands. I needed four hands. Uh, it started to rain out of absolutely, positively nowhere. I moved everything back as far away as I could from any of the windows, well, the, the screens. Uh, it's a screened-in porch. And I had already started, well, I had the, the, the mash was, uh, I pulled the grains out, I started the water, haven't got to a boil yet, and it rained, and everything looked okay, but then I happened to have my bucket of sanitizer closer to the screen than the, the boil kettle was, and I saw some drops hit that, so before the rain started to get worse and move towards the boil kettle, I ran in and got an umbrella and held the umbrella over it. So I'm pretty sure no rain got into it. If it did, it was whatever was in the rain was definitely boiled off because it was before the boil. So uh, on the, as I say, on the bad side, uh, there, some rain might have gotten into it. On the even worse side, if the beer tastes really good and I can't duplicate it, it might be because of a few drops of rainwater, and I have no idea what that secret ingredient would be. But otherwise, I think it's okay. I must have stood there for at least the first 25 minutes of the boil. Actually, take, I take that back. Um, it was longer than that. It was, it was the 20, it was like at least, I know I dropped in the first hop sack, and soon after I took the umbrella down, I put in the last hop sack. So that was 45 minutes. Uh, I wasn't standing there for the 45 minutes. My point is, so that's like at least 20, 25 minutes that I remember, plus the time waiting for it to actually get to a rolling boil. So probably standing there like 40 minutes with the umbrella which is real pleasant because the umbrella was trapping in the steam right at my head level, face level specifically, in an already muggy day. It may end up being one of the less pleasant <laughs> brewing experiences, boil experiences so far. I really enjoyed the boil because it's a nice two, three hours outside by myself, something I get to do alone. Uh, but this time it was kind of ruined by that sudden rain. It was ruined the day before, if you remember on the recording, which you probably do. It's been a day for me, but it's been minutes for you. The entire process got ruined because of rain. So damn sneaky rain. But boil's done. In fact, I just I figured at this point I'll just finish everything up because who knows if it would rain again. So I've already uh, transferred everything to the carboy, cooled it down, pitched the yeast, and put it in the fermenter. So the next recording will probably probably be me checking on the, the fermentation, which shouldn't be interrupted by rain because it's inside. But we'll see. So that's the story. Definitely, absolutely, positively got to dig up that lavalier mic because I cannot uh, do most of what I'm doing with only one hand. In fact, the majority of it, which is part of the learning process of trying to put together this special set of shows. So, all right, um, I'll be back with something after this. I'm checking in on the first week's fermentation, and the the krausen on this carboy never really got that thick. Usually they get quite thick. I think that's because I'm on a new using a new carboy. I used to use plastic ones. This one's glass, and I don't know the science or physics behind it, but I think the glass might conduct and hold the cold better. And I use the same amount of um, chilling I do with the plastic and I think it actually dropped everything lower. It's not past the suggested fermentation point for this yeast. This yeast is actually pretty forgiving when it comes to both lower and higher temperatures, but it's not below, but I think that slowed everything down. So I think I'm gonna have to ferment this an extra week actually. But other than that, it's healthy. I mean, the the krausen that is on it is the the right color, the right, uh, well, I mean, I was going to say thickness, but I mean, it's not as thick, but it's the right, I don't know what you would call that, uh, right, uh, it's got the right look to it. It's just thinner than I expect. And it's still pretty active. I've been sitting here for record, see, recording for just a minute, and I've seen quite a few pops in the airlock. So there's still gas coming out of there. I did, I did take out, um, 
I actually cut the cooling by half, so it might be more active now the past 36 hours than it has been the past week. So I'm going to let it keep going. But other than that, it looks good. The sediment, I expected to settle to the bottom. Uh, it's real. Apart from that, it's a real rich amber color. And it's going to be nice and clear by the time I'm done. Once I siphon this into a secondary and then run that through a filter, this should be pretty clear on its own. And then, of course, once I let it sit and cool in the keg and draw that first real glass, that'll suck up all the sediment. And this should be a nice, clear, actually probably pretty full keg. I'm doing two and a half kegs. Actually, I got three gallons, a little more than three gallons in here. But by the time I'm done ciphering and filtering, it should have just about two and a half gallons. I think a little over. I'm hoping for a little over. Again, I've not even begun to work on being efficient. Just want to make sure I have enough. My last last batch was way short. It was just like two gallons, but I have two and a half gallon kegs I want to use. Uh, mainly because, not that I don't want to brew a lot of beer, I just don't want to, I want to, and uh, not that I don't want to drink a lot of beer, it's that I want to change this out, so I don't want to have to um, wait out a five-gallon keg, or in turn dump out what's left in a five-gallon keg. I'd rather cut that in half, do two and a half gallons, and keep changing up and trying new recipes right now, until I stick, until I find something I really, really like, and then I might go to the, to the five gallons. But two and a half right now is good, and really, with the all grain, it's about... Per, per glass, it's about the same as a bottle of beer price-wise. So though, though I'm not saving money yet, that'll come when I get to like five gallons. At least I'm not wasting money. Unless something happens to this, I throw it out. But so far, so good. So that airlock has been popping a lot since I've been recording this. So there's a lot of activity going on here still a week later. So normally I'd probably want to uh, secondary rack but i think now the real fermentation is starting and it was just a real slow one this week so i'm going to add another week to this fermentation and probably rack this this time next week just let this keep going get the uh have the yeast eat up all that sugar so that's it i'll probably be, be back with a second week report at this point it's kegging day and oh that's about all I can say. It's kegging day. Fermentation looks complete. It has been pretty inactive the past couple of days. The crowds and what little there was is like almost non-existent now on the uh, the uh, in the um, carboy. So right now, what I'm doing is I am cleaning out. I use two. This is anyone that's a experienced home brewer is going to listen to this and say, "Wow, man, are you inefficient?" But let me remind you, I've only been doing this for a few months. I'm working with what I got. I'm slowly building up my gear, so I'm making the best of what I got. Right now, I'm going to, since I want to filter it, because I can't really cold crash this yet. I'm still trying to figure out the best way to cold crash this. I'll probably, my next big investment is probably going to be a, uh, I think it's called a cold jacket? Cold jacket? I forget what it is. It's something actually sticking the carboy. It's got a huge heat sink on it. And it's supposedly able to uh, drop the ambient temperature down to 35 degrees below what the ambient temperature is, which is way more of a range than I need to keep it cool and might even be able to do a little cold crashing there. Actually, what I need to do, now I'm looking at it, you don't see what I'm looking at, but I'm looking at the kegerator right next to the box I'm fermenting in, which is just a, a cooler. Um, I need to schedule this better so I can actually put the carb only have one keg in there put the carboy in and let that cold crash that's probably a better way to go and cheaper but right now i did not cold crash this tried to with a lot of ice packs in the chest just didn't get it cold enough so i'm going to filter it with a filtering system which is basically just a converted not even converted it is a water system home water system you put in a whatever micron filter you want i'm going to use a 5-1 which means it first filters it first bottom half maybe third maybe two-thirds, I'm not sure how it's split up, is five microns in the top before it leaves the cartridge is one fil is one micron. So it's going to take everything out, even the yeast, which is fine because I'm going to carbonate, force carbonate this. So I don't need the yeast anymore right now. Might be a, I mean, since this is a test batch, might be a bad move. But on the other hand, I definitely know what's happening. So I know if it's not good, what I can try next. So I don't know. It's like six, one, half dozen, the other, whether they keep it in or leave it out and benchmark from there. But that's what I'm doing. So anyway, back to it. I am going to, since I can't cold crash it, since there's going to be sediment, I'm going to siphon it into one um, keg. And then I'm going to pressure, uh, put a little pressure on from the CO2, like maybe like five pounds. Probably don't even need that much. I start slow. And then when I see a flow going on the water filter, I just stop because I don't want to 
push it through the uh, filter too fast and push stuff through the filter that is trying to be filtered out. But I'm going to filter it into my final keg and then that I will cold, I'll put in, the, I should say cold crash, that's all right. That I'll put in the kegerator. Then I'm going to force carbon. Usually I, I, when I force carbonate, I do it like very slow, like, like barbecue, like slow and low, low temperature, slow pressure. I'm going to try doing that 15 minute roll on the floor. Um, uh, force carbonation. I'm going to put it in the fridge, kegerator overnight, going to force carbonate it tomorrow and try to taste it tomorrow. Never done that before. You'll see how that works. I know the slow and low when worked great on the test patch I have in there now. But anyway, back to what I'm doing now. Um, the keg that I'm going to transfer into is an old, old converted soda keg. In fact, it says PepsiCo on it. I, this thing has seen better days, but the seals are good. It's clean inside, and it's good enough to transfer. Once you sanitize it, of course, transfer into and then push out into the final nice, clean keg that has only ever been under my ownership, and will, I'll keep as pristine as I can as long as I can. But... Uh, having said that, I'm now cleaning all the contacts. It's, I, I, I rinsed it and cleaned it with, uh, was it PBW? What's that? It doesn't sound right. It sounds like a sandwich. That's not right. It is PBW. Cleaned it with PBW last time I did this, but I didn't give it a thorough cleaning. So I've taken all the, all the locks, all the uh, ball lock connectors off, giving a good soak in PDW. I'm going to rinse them real clean. going to take out the... Uh, Siphon tube, is, or not siphon tube, but the drawing tube as well. Give that a good scrubbing and cleaning. Put it back in. Probably rinse it one more time out with this PBW I got here soaking. It's only about three quarts. And then I'm going to give it its good sterilization in star sand along with the other keg, along with the filter system and the siphon and everything else that goes with it. So when I come back, um, maybe I'll talk a little bit about when I'm sanitizing and then on to siphoning, I hope. We'll see. This recording so far has been everything I predicted I'm going to do next has not happened. So this may be the first or maybe par for the course. You're about to find out. Okay, there's one more thing I want to do before I start sterilizing and caking. And here we go. Just like I predicted. <laughs> We're off track. Um, I want to put some keg handles on my kegerators that identifies these beers. And I found these tap handles on Amazon. Super cheap. Three bucks for two of them. I think it was like, you know, another 36 cents for the tax, whatever it was. But they're small, they're black, they're plastic. Tops pop off. Like there's a little cap on the top, about maybe three quarter inches wide. Top top comes off. You have a nice surface put in a little epoxy glue. I'm cutting pieces of wood that I'm going to paint, give like three, four coats of glossy black paint. Then I have my labels that I used to use for bottling. Well, probably still use for bottling when I bottle up some stuff from the keg, but I have way more than I'm going to need for a long time. And I'm just going to stick labels on that glossy black piece of wood, glue that piece of, well, I guess I'm going to glue the piece of wood to the uh, handle first, but then slap stickers on, change them out. It's a little, uh, it's a little rough. It's a little uh, homemade. It's definitely homemade, but it'll, it's a, it's a nice start. Um, Quint from Neozaz, he's a very good woodworker hobbyist. He's going to make me an interchangeable ones, but he's not here, and I won't see him for about a month when he's going to bring the prototype. So until then, I'm going to do this because it should only take me like an hour. It should only take me like probably 40 minutes of total work over the course of uh, coming back and forth uh, while I'm doing this other stuff. So the simple thing, I think it's going to be a little neat little thing. Put a little picture on Neozaz's Facebook page. And uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. I'm cutting the wood real quick before it gets too ungodly hot in the garage. And then I'll be back to uh, cleaning out the keg. Well, the kegs are clean. Go into sterilizing them next. Maybe. Who knows? I always say this is next and it's something else. Okay, we're in the sanitation now. And I made a big old five-gallon bucket of uh, star sand solution. I think like just about every home brewer uses now. And I'm distributing... About two gallons of that between my two kegs. Now, my the keg that I was talking about that I'm going to siphon into first is a five-gallon, and then that's going to go into a two-and-a-half-gallon. I have about three gallons of usable beer. I'm going to lose a half-gallon in this transfer between the the tube and the, maybe just being a little over. But I want two-and-a-half nice gallons to test. And putting about three-quarters of a gallon in one keg and about gallon and a quarter maybe a little more in the five gallon keg i'm going to seal those up and give them a good shake i think it's like 15 second contact with the 
star sand, but I'm going to roll it around and shake it for like a, a minute just to be safe and get a workout because I don't think I'm going to get to the gym today or go out and run. And I'm definitely going to have a beer. Maybe not this one, but one from the other keg. So I need to burn some calories. So I have the siphon in the tube and the beer thief all soaking in the star sand. I got to grab the sanitizer, the, sanitizer, the filter, which I'm doing right now. Oops, as you hear it knock around everything. I'm gonna put those in there too. And I'm gonna give the filter a good dip as well and then let that sit and drain in a sanitized, uh, a, uh, is it a piece of, I wanna say Tupperware, but I'm sure it's not. I don't think we actually own Tupperware. I mean, Tupperware is like a generic name. I don't think we actually own a single piece of Tupperware. But it's a plastic container that I've sterilized as well. I'm gonna let that drain into there and then I'm gonna uh, rinse it out with like a good, um, when I start transferring the beer, I'm actually going to let like the first cup or so go into a, uh, another vessel because I get that sanitizer out there. The sanitizer doesn't leave any taste. It's completely odorless and tasteless, but it's going to dilute that a little bit. I don't think it'll make a big difference, but I got a nice half gallon to play with extra half gallon. So I'm going to try to try to get a nice pristine. This is a test batch. It's my very first, um, one for that is going to be the Neozaz signature, and uh, it's it's my very first. Uh, what I'm trying to say it's my very first without looking like at a what an IPA base is or a. You'll hear in the other ones, other shows I'm going to do. I looked up what are the general ingredients for an IPA, and I built from that. What are the general ingredients for a red ale, and I built from that. This one, I didn't look at anything. I just started picking malts and hops. I'm going to see what I get. Very interested to see what this tastes like. Not expecting much. But still very interested to see what we got. So, all right, that is uh, it. I'm going to give these a bit of a shake and then start to uh, siphon. Actually, uh, another step, if you're following along, I'm going to clean off the counter. I got some star sand in a spray bottle. I'm going to give the counter a good spray down and wipe down and then, uh, then go from there. All right, getting to the kegging here. Got the carboy up on the cabinet for gravity. Got the... Uh, uh keg sanitized and this stuff foams up when you shake it around so it should be some pressure i'm going to pull the pressure release see if we hear anything ah just a little not much but uh i'm going to dump this out there's going to be a lot of foam left in it but that's okay foam is it's not soap foam it's i don't know what it is i should look up what the chemical actually reaction is that makes that foam because i'm curious but i'm not going to do it right now and then i'm going to get out the siphon Start siphoning beer into the five gallon and then hook up the filter and get the keg that its final destination is going to be in. And, and that'll be that, I think. So I'm um, doing everything on. I laid out a big old beach towel just in case there's any spillage. And in case that foam comes over, the foam isn't dangerous. But it, once it hits the floor and pops, it'll, it'll get wet. And don't want to slip on it. I don't want the animals to lick it up. I don't think it'll hurt them, but it might give them an upset stomach and they'll end up puking their breakfast and I don't want to clean that up. So I have this big beach blanket down to catch everything. So I'm going to dump out the uh, sanitizer out of this five gallon and then start the siphon. All right, I just took the lid off the carboy. I should stop not talking to that breathing, getting affected. I don't think I did too much. Um, it smells good. That's a good start. It's a good start. It's darker than I thought it was going to be, but it also might be because I'm looking through like a good 16 inches of it. So it might be the red color I want. We'll see. So I just wanted to give that quick update before I start siphoning it in, which I'm gonna do right now. Okay, siphon is going and it's almost a little less than halfway empty. In fact, probably where the siphon uh, has like a little buffer on, I don't know what you call it on the bottom, a little thing on the bottom that keeps it kind of a half inch, maybe three quarter inches above the bottom of the carboy so you don't suck up so much tube. It's probably halfway done. In fact, as I was speaking, it's definitely halfway done. So uh, hard to tell how much I have so far because the top is covered with foam. But uh, I'll squeeze every bit I can out of this. So I know I'm going to get at least two gallons. I should be able to get two and a half gallons by the time this is done. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm just going to keep letting this go. Uh, I grabbed the recorder so you could hear it kind of siphon in. But by the time I turned it back on and hit record, it's... You can't, it's like, it's full enough that the water is flowing. It, the, the siphon goes all the way to the bottom, and once it's covered, you can't hear anything. So, kind of missed that opportunity. It's another one learned. And I don't have my lavalier mic yet. 
if it, if you've been uh, following that tale in this episode, I I know where in the house it is. I just can't see it. So looks like a project between brew and kegging weekends is going to be to clean out that area and find the lavalier mic so I can use it for the next one. So all right, we're going to get to a point here. Where this is going to be done. So I need to put this down because I'm going to need two hands soon. All right, I'm about to transfer from the five-gallon keg into the two-and-a-half-gallon keg. And I'm going to do that through the filter, through the water filter, the, the five-slash-one micron filter, with the aid of my CO2 tank. And I did have, if you were listening to this show for advice, which you shouldn't, because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I, I, may, I think I made that clear. But if you are, for some reason, I do have one piece of advice I learned I can share so far. And that is always, always have a roll of... Um, plumber's Teflon tape, pipe tape on hand and put it on everything that screws in. Everything. Because I found out the hard way, even though it's like a safety net or it's a, it, it's, it completes the seals, really. What it is not even a safety net because as I found out, if you don't use it, even though I was reading, I, I should and I, I know from what little plumbing DIY I've done to use it, um, found out the hard way that when you have, even though you used hand tools and tighten everything as well as you could, there's still these little teeny tiny little gaps that beer's going to get out of, especially when you have a problem with your CO2 line in your kegerator. That's another story. I'll probably never tell. But anyway, so I put it on all everything that is going to, I have two ball locks, one from the out of the uh, five gallon keg. So it's actually going to draw from the out and it's, the other one is on another out that's going to put it into the two and a half gallon keg. That is going to keep it from aerating. And I'm going to put a little bit, I am going to do a safety net here. What I'm going to do right now, I'll leave the mic on. You might be able to hear this. I'm going to purge, uh, I'm going to spray, oh, I, guess I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I have the gas line here without the connector on it. And I'm going to pump some CO2 into my two and a half gallon keg for about 20 seconds to get all the oxygen out of there. If you can hear this, now I'm putting on the, before that gas goes away, I'm putting on the uh, gas end of the ball lock and tightening it. I'm going to put it right on the keg and get this started right now. I got, I'll tell you in a second. All right, here we go. Oop, okay, I got the CO2 pressure at about, eh. Oh, it's at 10 PSI. It must have because it came right out of the keg. I want it down at 5. That's what I just got it to now. And here we go. It's going into the filter about the rate I want. It's coming out now. Should be nice and clear going right into the keg. There we go. Now I'm going to keep my eye on this. Usually, you, we'd want to put the lid on to keep all the air out. Hopefully, I purged enough CO2 in there to push it out from the bottom. And I'm not standing over it right now. But I want to, like I said, since I'm working with a three-gallon batch, I don't want to overfill this keg, so I'm keeping my eye on it. And the second I see it looks like it's, at, uh, it's full. In fact, before it even hits the gas line that goes into the keg, I'm going to shut this off and cap it. So, again, might not be the best way to do this. I'm still learning. And really, when it comes to weights and measurements and, and amounts, that's what I got to get down the most. I got to make sure I actually am producing two and a half gallons, like right on the nose. I don't have to worry about this, but I'm not there yet. I'm getting there. So, still got a nice flow here. Beers in there looking nice and clear. Really looking nice and clear. It's coming out of the keg nice and clear. This might be a step I can eliminate sometime in the short run with using that siphon. And that's fine with me. I don't have to buy filters. Adds like another three bucks to the entire batch. So while I'm doing this, speaking of that, I just want to tell you, when you're doing two and a half gallons, you are pretty much breaking even on a good beer. I've done the math. I don't, I'm, I don't include the overhead, like all the gear, the kegerator, just based on the water you buy, if you buy water, which I have to do because our city water sucks, the grains, the malts, and uh, CO2, and the filter, 
you're pretty much break even at two and a half gallons, which means when I start doing five, I'll start saving a lot of money. But as long as I'm not spending more money than I'm making beer than I would spend on buying beer, that's not a bad start, especially just this short into it. So I kind of see this, for one, I'm really, really enjoying this. It's one of the few things I get to do apart from exercise, like completely alone and just uh, enjoy it. Although, I mean, I understand and I can completely see that joining a home brew club would probably be a lot of fun. You learn a lot. But right now, it's something I just want to do on my own. It's a nice way to end the work week, uh, end an editing week in podcasting and just enjoy brewing and kegging. Um, so I forget what started that. <laughs> I really forget what started that statement. So go back and rewind about 20, 30 seconds to what I said and tack it on the end of that. And that's why I am doing it alone and enjoying it. So I'm actually trying to buy time. I was going to try to, uh, try to talk out this whole transfer, but I don't think that's going to happen. The most I talked there, we only got about a little over one gallon and I know I got at least two. So Kind of run out of things to say, so I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording, put this down, and be back when I close this up. All right, that is it for kegging. So this keg is ready to go in, and the filter looks like it did its job. It is very brown. So, all right, I'm putting it in the kegerator right now to cool, and I'm going to try to force carbonate it tomorrow night. There we go. Did taste it. Very malty. Was not expecting that, but it was light on the hops and then, well, it was very grain heavy. So we'll see. Not a bad taste on, as a sample, no carbonation to it. And it's going to sit and age a little. Well, I guess it's not really going to if I'm going to go right to the uh, forced carbonation. So usually it would sit for another week, but well, we'll see. We'll see. That's the first test. My first complete recipe from scratch. Didn't imagine it was going to be the one I want to keep with forever, so we shall see. Um, I'll be back probably when I start force carbonating. All right, just a little bit of addendum between uh, kegging and carbonating. Um, I just did the most glamorous part of uh, home brewing, which is cleaning up. But actually, it's not that bad. But uh, the thing is, if you, if you do it the day you're done with everything, you save yourself a lot of trouble in the long run because there's sugar in beer. And the sugar has been fermented for the most part, but there's still sugars in there. It might not be super prevalent on your tongue when you drink it, but there's absolutely sugars in there. And the longer you let liquids, suspended sugars, sit and let that liquid dry up, you're just causing yourself that much more work. I mean, that's just not with beer. That's with anything that has sugar or some kind of sticky substance in the liquids that dries out. I'm sure you've come across that even without home brewing. So I guess that's another piece of advice I could give. Uh, something I've learned. Um, no, no, actually, I haven't had that problem. I just know that you let sugar sit and it gets uh, sugar. Any, any liquid sugar that it sit, you got yourself a problem. So um, that, uh, altogether, kegging today took about two and a half hours. Not too bad. I could probably, if I don't do the filtering, which um, I'm really working on trying to figure out a method to not filter, like uh, doing a secondary fermentation, racking it so I can cut out some of the tube in the first step. Um, I pr this, would probably, this would be a lot faster because I'd be kegging right into one keg. Probably get that down to two hours, and then once I streamline everything, probably even less than that. But two and a half hours is not too bad. Not too bad for only the second keg I've ever put the, I've ever uh, filled. So, And it was almost full. Not two and a half gallons. It was a little over two gallons. Maybe like two point one not quite two and a quarter so still working on that need to need to uh, i guess uh finish with a more wart at the end and then to before i start to boil i think that's where i lose a lot of it um well that is where you lose a lot of it obviously because <laughs> there wasn't all that much liquid left behind in the carboy honestly there was about maybe a a cup like like eight ounces and the rest was in true now if you could ring out the true maybe you get another half cup out of there but that sounds gross so Anyway, um, I am getting some lunch, uh, just as a little side story. My wife and I have been on a strict diet. You're probably saying, big deal, who isn't at one point in their lives? Well, we're, we're on it right now, trying to get ready for fall. Fall uh, Halloween is not just because of the candy, but all the entertaining we do and the beer we're going to be brewing. We pack on and take in the calories in fall, so we're trying to get some weight off now. We're on a super, super strict diet. I don't think I've ever been on a diet this strict, but like with every super strict diet, you get your free day, and I am 
driving to pick up my lunch on my free day. I'm going to Wawa. Anyone in Central Florida now, but anyone that's grew up grew up in the Philadelphia area, Pennsylvania, knows exactly what that means. So I'm going to Wawa. Not going to overdo it, but I am getting me a good, good Wawa sub, a hoagie, if you will. Some chips, some tea with flavoring in it. Actually, all I drank was water and maybe a tasty cake. It all depends on what sandwich I get. If I overdo it on the sandwich, I'm going to skip the dessert, but if I get like a nice um, sandwich with uh, not a lot of mayo and not a lot of oil on it and all that and cheese. Although I haven't made the sandwich yet, so I don't know what I'm going to put on it, but if it's uh, if I kind of go light on that, I'm even just get a veggie sandwich, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm, this, the, the bread. I want to sink my teeth into some bread. I haven't had any carbs all week. I really don't care what's between the bread, but I, I might even get a little dessert. Maybe not. We'll see. That's really not what this show is about, but I had to share that. So, um, yeah, getting my free day lunch going to be followed by my free day dinner and we start all over again for the next six days but in between there we're gonna have some beer too which i will talk about hopefully next addendum to the addendum in case you're wondering what i chose i actually did a reverse order choosing i had to walk by the tasty cake rack first and to my i wouldn't say surprise because i was hoping but to my uh hopes or whatever i don't even know what the right phrase is the entire pie rack the tasty cake pie rack was filled with tasty clairs i was there the last two times ago which was like two weeks three weeks ago two weeks ago probably they had them no it was three weeks ago i know exactly when it was it was three weeks ago from today because it was before the brewing and that was two weeks ago so they they had them and the uh cashier had said they were testing them out i'm like oh please keep them because they are the best pie if you don't know what a tasty clear is it is the best not only the best pie tasty cake makes but the best thing tasty cake makes and if you don't think so you're wrong or you're not from the northeast or you're wrong so they're there now the cashier this time there's a different cashier she didn't know but as far as she understood that that's gonna they're gonna be carrying them from now on that's about the happiest thing i could see they're they're happiest i'm so as you can see i'm so beside myself i can't even find the right words so knowing full damn well i was buying a tasty claire i got the veggie sub i got a nice six inch shorty sub on wheat bread i just want the bread oh my god i didn't realize how much i craved carbs until i didn't eat them for six days so i cannot wait to eat the sandwich can't wait to eat the tasty claire then can't wait to drink some beer which might be next who knows like i said nine times out of ten when i say this is next it's something else okay this is what it all comes down to for this episode and every episode of this special series of special i don't know what it's going to be whatever this is going to be i'm going to try to do this as i do unique brews but for this one, for this episode of whatever this is, it's the tasting. And I did the forced carbonation, gave it a good shake for 15 minutes while pumping 25 PSI of CO2 in it. Did a test draft after that. And it actually, I, I was happy with the results. So thumbs up for forced carbonation. I might be doing that in the future. Uh, but the test keg I had for another beer, I let pressurize at serving pressure for five days. And that's fine too. So either way, it works for me so far. But for this one now, I did the forced carbonation. It's been sitting for about 48 hours in the kegerator. Kegerator's at 39 degrees right now. And uh, I wanted to do this about 24 hours ago, but I ended up working late and coming home. And I did kind of want a beer, but I didn't want a beer and record and really think about what I was drinking. I ended up not having anything, so kind of sucked anyway. But now here we go. I'm about to pour the first full draft of this Neozaz Signature Test Recipe 1. All right, I'm gonna let it sit for just a couple seconds, let the last bit of those drips come out of the, the tap faucet. And for the color, just sitting here, of course, it's against kind of a black background by the angle I'm looking at. Let me pick it up because the walls are white in here. It's a dark amber. I do want this to be an amber color. This is a little dark. This is uh, it's not quite bordering on brown, but darker than I would want it to be. I want the signature um, 
uh, Neozez beer to be an amber. So far, I mean, taste may change as I go along on this, but I'm thinking amber. This is a little darker than I wanted, but not bad. The head, nice size head on it, nice little teeny tiny bubbles, kind of lifting it, rocking it back and forth, sticking to the glass. This would have some good lacing as I go along, I think. I'm going to give it a drink now. Actually, it looks, let me take another quick look at it up in the light. Oh, yeah, we got some bubbles in there. Not too much, not too many. I didn't overcarbonate it. Nice and clear. Nice and clear so far. So, all right, about to give it a taste. Okay. Not bad. A little bit of a bite on the tongue at first, like I was going to get some hops, but then it kind of went away a lot, uh, pretty instantly. Taking a taking a smell of it, which I should have done before the drink. Barely any aroma of hops, and they're they're very earthy. What I smell, that's probably the palisade hop I put in towards the end. I take one more sip here. Yeah, the only bite is ever on the tongue. Smooth finish though, not harsh, but malty, malty, malty end. That's like more malt than I was. I don't know if I was expecting or that I wanted, but. I'm going to say not bad, considering this is a completely off-the-top-of-my-head recipe. I didn't base it off of anything. Um, some things I would change. I would take out the Carafa 3 malts for sure. I think that is what's giving it the darker color and giving me the multi, uh, the, the multi finish. Um, more hops. It's got to have more hops. Maybe a dry hop. I don't know. Eh, you know what? I would probably try something else before I dry hopped. But needs more hops. So I think, uh, I think I'm going to, I don't know. Maybe the next one might be a total, maybe I was going to say I might adjust this one and see what I get next one. Maybe the next one will be a total from scratch as well and see which one has a better base. But if I were to use this as a base, I would take out the uh, those dark malts because I think that is where the malt taste is coming and the color. And then I would uh, start playing with some hops a little more. I'd probably, as much as I want, Oh, excuse me. Well, we definitely got carbonation. <laughs> as much as I want the uh, Palisade hops to be the Neozaz hop, I don't think it's going to work. It's not the taste um, profile I think that I that I want. I don't really like an earthy hop. I like more of a floral, citrusy hop. So, I mean, that was an idea, but I'm not married to the idea. So, I might find another hop to be a kind of a signature hop. I'll take one more taste while I'm recording here. Yeah, it could use a little more a little more bitterness. I don't know about more bite. I kind of like the bite. I like the amount of bite it has, but that multi fin that uh, multi finish, it keeps sounding like saying multi, like multi-pass from Fifth Element, but multi finish, I'm not a fan of. And that might mellow out with age, but I don't know how much longer this will last. I only did two and a half gallons of it, probably about two and a 2.1 gallons, I think is what I got. But I'm happy with, I'll tell you what, I'm happy with the carbonation. I'm happy with the clarity. Color is... It's not what I want, but it's not far from it. So that's a good start. And I really think it all has to do with that one malt I put in there. And that one malt might be might be uh, the things I don't like. What I do like, I do like the taste-wise. I do like the, um, it definitely has an, ale, uh, an amber taste to it while you're drinking it. Uh, everything that is, I think, I don't like about it is after it passes the back of my throat. Because the hop, that last hop, punches in there and that multi finish so if i could get i could be happy with this taste with something at the end of it so but i think you know i think i'm going to go from for scratch again for number two and see which is a better base to build off of but until then i have got two big brews to do for halloween horror nights so those will be the next episodes i don't know if they'll be two separate or one separate but one is an ipa that i did already that i learned to grain do all grain brewing on and that I know is a good one, but I'll talk more about that when I get to that. And the other one is a Marzen. It's an Oktoberfest beer. It's going to be called an ale. Its name is going to be Carn of Ale of Carnage because it's a play on words following Har Nights, but it's really a Marzen. That I'm looking forward to doing too. Those were assisted recipes. I looked at the base. I looked at what's typically used, read the different hop descriptions, mix and matched. So it's my own adjustment on a recipe, but it's, a, it's definitely an assisted recipe. So more on that in the next episodes. That's been it for this one. Uh, I'm, 
I'm, <laughs> there's a little bit of disappointment that I didn't hit it right off the hit exactly what I wanted right off the bat, but I guess that was an unrealistic expectation. But really, when I look at it, considering I've been doing this, I think I said six months. I actually looked at the time I bought my first beer kit. It's been four months. Well, I've been doing this four months, and I'm not completely unhappy with the result of my very first recipe by myself. So it should be just all, all uh, up from here. We'll see. So that's it for this. So that does it for this episode, but that does not do it for this beer. An interesting thing happened regarding this beer while brewing the beer for the next episode. So there's a lot more to be said about this beer in those recordings. I have a feeling that's not the last time that's going to happen in one of these specials and another interesting aspect to doing these shows that span these lengths of time. So make sure you tune into that episode to find out what happened and for more on this story. But until that episode, I hope you enjoyed what you've heard so far. These specials are going to change and adjust as I learn more about brewing and how to best record the process, starting with finding that lavalier mic that I mentioned more than once in this episode. So to wrap up here, if you're new to NeoZaz by chance, check out all the other shows we have at NeoZaz.com. We have just got so many shows now, it's it's difficult to list off the top of my head uh, because I know I'm going to miss something. But uh, our anchor shows, I guess I could mention Star Wars and Character, the show that looks at some obscure characters and things from the Star Wars universe and a whole slew of specials, including musicals. That's, I did say musicals. Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, that is our annual coverage of the greatest Halloween event anywhere on Earth. Universal Studios, Halloween Horror Nights, Pass the Popcorn, our current movie review podcast, Spoon the Tick versus the Podcast, the first and only podcast dedicated to the Tick, the comic, TV, and now online series, or at least online pilot series. Best of Fives, the recurring series that features all the personalities on Neo's as at one point or another, a lot of special guests, and just a ton of subjects. Those are just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to find on NeoZaz, so check it out. NeoZaz.com is the site. We have social media pages at Facebook.com slash Podcast, and our Twitter handle is at NeoZaz. So with all that said, I will say thank you for listening, and once that second episode's brew is ready to taste, I will see you in that next episode. Yeah.